Sad Orphans, Terrifying Monsters, and a Society in Ruins. It's Annie, meets the village, meets the Handmaid's Tale, but scarier. We had Casey watch The Promised Neverland, and we're here to answer the question, was it a kawaii disappointment? Alright everyone, welcome back to Kawaii Disappointment, your weekly journey through the world of anime. With you as always is me, your sad baby orphan, PJ. And me, your foreboding mother, Skylar. And with us as always is our other sad baby orphan, Casey. I'm Casey, and I'm the boy that is from uh, Wonderland, or Neverland, or something land. It's definitely one of the lands, for sure. If that wasn't enough of an indication, this week we watched Promise Neverland. Mm, I watched Promise Neverland. That's true. Skylar has watched Promise Neverland. Casey and I are once again the fresh baby sheep in this episode. That's why we're the both baby orphans, because I think that's what this show's about, but I'm not positive, because I didn't watch it. Oh, is that what it is? It's so funny. I I thought when I heard Promise Neverland, I was like, is that the documentary about the kids that had to escape that Michael Jackson ranch? This is an anime adaptation yes, of that exactly. documentary. God, finally. They've been getting my letters. <laughs> uh, so, Skylar, I'm going to pass it off to you to take it away once again. Well, you guys, you already know that the title is The Promised Neverland. What do you both think it's about? Well, I have a slight bias. Because clearly I have some inclination. I've seen commercials for it on Adult Swim, like in Toonami. So I have an idea. So I don't want to taint the world with my okay, glorious so let's, ideas. Yeah. So I'll leave it to Casey. Let's have Casey go first then. Okay, so I obviously assume with the name Neverland that it has to do with Peter Pan of some sort. The Promise Neverland. Which almost sounds like it's a little religious. Like, <laughs> it's like Peter Pan for... Maybe Mormons? I don't know. Hmm, okay. All right, Casey. What do you think it's going to be about? Give us some names. Ah, uh, you want the fantasy, huh? Okay, let me give you this Let me give you this rundown. Okay, so the person in the front, I feel like um, that looks like, once again, I feel like I go back to, like, similar characters. But, like, that person in front is definitely Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> once again. <laughs> Every character with interesting hair oh is Yugi God. from Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, they're always they're always blonde, like looking spiky haired. Yugi like, isn't even blonde. I was gonna say. Well, it's a he has a complex haircut. I mean, there's blonde. He in does. There, right? It's multicolored. Uh, her haircut's more indicative of like a Peter Pan character. Is this a woman? Yeah, she's wearing a skirt. I know. See, here's the thing. I didn't even oh. notice the skirt. <laughs> Um, excuse me. I don't think we need to just assume her gender, Skylar. Yeah, I thought it was just a man with a, a skirt. Fabulous he skirt. He could wear a skirt, Skylar. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I think I think the very brave, fabulous skirt wearer, probably his name is like Corey. It just feels like a Corey name. I don't know why. I really do love the outfit that, that he or she is wearing. I mean, I'm guessing since you watch the show, it's a she. Um, yeah, The Promised Neverland. The, pr- the Neverland that is promised is not being misgendered by Skylar. I don't need to be canceled by someone that drinks all the Tiki Punch and does not share. Oh, it's on, y'all. Do you guys like domestic violence? Tune in for next week's episode. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a true crime um, podcast in real life. I love that for us. Okay, so then moving on back to this. So um, the other characters next to Corey, that, the one on the left just has the same haircut as this boss I could not stand. And um, like I, now, like I said, I'm not sure anyone's gender, uh, but I, I want to say this person's name is like Lou or Lucifer. <laughs> or like <laughs> uh, I was like so against you for Lou but I'll give you Lucifer but when you said Lou I was like is he a 48 year old plumber uh, look at that haircut that haircut no that haircut uh, it's not a 48 year old plumber that is a 78 year old plumber to be clear <laughs> this is an um, old man now who's ages this is an old man for sure uh, me people I'll are allowed everyone. to be old Skylar <laughs> <laughs> trying to cancel everyone on this I didn't podcast. say he's old so therefore he shouldn't be on the anime or anything I just no, said I was he saying old. that Casey yeah old people need representation you know what people the most cancelable people are the ones that try mm-hmm. to cancel everyone else good so, point PJ I, I think it's interesting Casey you brought that up. <laughs> he would be the most cancelable person <laughs> oh for sure it's me I am the most cancelable person on this podcast come for me alright let's move on to 
<laughs> the other character. Yes. So this character, because on my whole Peter Pan prediction, that guy on the right, that's Rufio from oh. Hook. Have you guys do you have seen Hook? I was going to say the same goddamn thing. <laughs> Great minds. That is full on Rufio. That's Rufio. Like, but he looks younger than like Rufio was in the movie. So like I'd say it's like Rufio, he got into books and then they got he got picked on for reading too many books and then he was like, I'm gonna raise hell and cause some drama up in here in Neverland with my fabulous haircut. So what do you think they're gonna be doing? I don't know. I assume they're all very small because they're standing on I mean, is that a cl- a, a plate or is that a clock? It's both. Um, like I, it's both a plate and a clock. That's yeah. the future. See plate the clocks. fork and the knife. <laughs> that's not the future, that's a home goods. <laughs> No, PJ. Remember, I have never seen a clock does not have clocks. True story. It's true. Interesting. I think that's probably a marketing strategy. But yeah, so I'm guessing they're probably stuck, uh, trapped in time, and they're short and small, tiny, like maybe fairy creatures. I don't know. They're trying to get out of this fantasy world or trying to get to this fantasy world because if I look in the reflection of the thing, there's like a gate there. Right. Maybe they're trying to rescue kids for, and take them to Neverland. Okay. I like that. That sounds good. I'll say these characters are straight up characters from Haikyuu. <laughs> like, the guy on the left is clearly Sugawara. The guy in the middle is clearly Hinata. And the guy on the right is clearly Kuro. <laughs> like, that's Kuro. I literally sent you so many TikToks today of people just drawing promised Neverland <laughs> characters oh with God. the haiku. <laughs> the so haiku. they're ripping off two different animes. <laughs> Interesting. Yu-Gi-Oh and Haikyuu. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and also they're ripping off the anime that we all love, Peter Pan. Everyone's favorite, Danimals, which is Disney anime with animals. Oh, I thought it was the yogurt. In case you wondered what Danimals stood for, it's Disney anime with animals. It's not so not yogurt. I could go for some Danimals. Do they even make Danimals anymore? Probably. Let's get a sponsorship. Good gogurt. I like gogurt more than Dan. You know what? Drinkable Daniel. <laughs> Drinkable Danimals is good too. Mm, good point. So um, we're gonna take a break and watch episode one and two of The Promised Neverland, and we'll be right back with our thoughts on that. Welcome to Gracefield House. Our state-of-the-art orphanage has every amenity a child could need. Food prepared on site and designed to give them all the vitamins they need. A huge forested field so they could roam free and play to their heart's content. Education and testing so their minds can properly develop and grow. A family environment so they grow up happy and healthy. With no added hormones, Gracefield House children taste better and are better for you. Taste you'll have to try. Children that'll have to die. Gracefield House. Simply better. And we're back. All right. We just watched the first two episodes of The Promised Neverland. What did you guys think? Oh, my gosh. I loved it. It was not what I expected. Like, it was... uh... It is a journey, like that first episode, because I just think I was, I remember watching it and I, I mean, remember it was like an hour ago, but like <laughs> <laughs> back in my day when I first watched Promised Neverland, when I first watched the Promised Neverland, no, um, like it was like, I thought it was going to go, I just like I said, I thought it was going to go completely one way. And it was like kind of a consistent journey throughout the first episode to find out like it's continually surprising. Like you're like, oh, I think it's going to go this way. No, it's going deeper, 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 farther, more surprising. So I, I am really excited about this. Uh, I I I loved it. It was really interesting. It was really, I mean, to the extent like I knew something was going down right because like we're watching this because it's October. So like I was like, there's something coming. There's something coming. I definitely didn't expect what happened to be what was coming. And overall, I was, you know, it was very interesting. I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. Mm-hmm. Yes, Definitely. I I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. All right. So The Promised Neverland is written by Kayu Shirai and illustrated by Pusuka Dimizu. Um, it appeared in Weekly Shonen Jump from 2016 to 2020. Ooh, it's close. So this is pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. I think like gather up to like 64 or something. 
The anime is directed by Mamoru Kanabi, and it started last year, 2019, and we're still waiting on a season two. Interesting. It's it's the most modern anime we've done so far. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I feel like it's definitely like the themes that we're going to go over in this um, anime. Like it's, I feel like it definitely resonates with today's climate. So I can't believe they haven't done a second season yet. All right. With that said, let's jump into episode one. Emma, Norman, and Ray are three extremely intelligent orphans that share a happy and structured life at the Grace Field house along with 35 other kids. Their day starts off early with Emma rousing the kids from their sleep and getting everyone ready for breakfast. We see Emma in the house mom role, helping younger kids with their shoelaces and generally caring for the other orphans. I like kind of hated this. Not because it was bad, but I was like, this is too happy. This is too nice. I, this means the shoe's going to drop even harder. Yes. Oh, good point. I was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, oh, so this is not Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh. This is straight up Annie because she her hair looks more red in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. And they're orphans. This is yeah. the hardest knock life anyone's ever had. <laughs> For real. The sun will not come out tomorrow, especially if you're no, 12. No, no, no. At breakfast, we meet Mom, Isabella, with black hair, purple eyes, and a warm smile. Isabella tends to the kids with a matronly patience and care. The kids all adore and revere her, especially Emma. Following breakfast, the kids are shown demonstrating their intellectual aptitude in a series of tests, which Emma, Norman, and Ray all pass with perfect scores. Well, yeah, I mean, they're the oldest ones here. They've probably been taking this test as long as some of these kids have been alive. I know. I was going to say, I'm like, are these, are they held back? No, um, they are. I mean, because they have different level tests. So it's not all the same test. It's based off their age. And uh, they've, okay, mm. that does make it more impressive. So they've always like been in high regards and succeeded. Despite their impressive intellect, Norman notes that mom is still far superior as Emma agrees, recounting that they've never been able to beat her in chess. I'm surprised these orphans haven't brought up the fact that they all have prison tattoos on their neck. Like, what's going on with that? I wasn't even thinking prison tattoos. I literally kept turning to Skylar and be like, is this a concentration camp? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. And, like, as soon as he's like, is this is this the Holocaust? I was like, oh, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> like, I could see I could see why it looks like that. The kids then engage in a game of tag on the large green fields and among the lush trees of the forest that surround Gracefield. Emma's best known for athletic abilities, and so when Norman is it, he quickly knocks out most of the house with the exception of her. Yeah, I liked this because he's like so methodically smart. Like the way that he just like sneaks up on them. Like he's, it, it's a really good way of showing just like he's like a mastermind. Right. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, when you guys, when they, right before this, they were all kind of like sitting down with like, I believe it's like the mom or whatever, and she was talking about their family dynamic. And I mean, did you guys instantly think like this must be a cult because they're all wearing the oh, same outfit? Oh, straight up. I, I completely forgot about this. But when she was like, aren't you all lucky to be here with your brothers and sisters? And I was like, I literally turned to Skylar. I was like, this is a cult concentration camp. This is what For this real. is. Yeah. She's like with your 38 siblings. I kept telling PJ while I was watching it that it reminded me of M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Like just like setting with like. I mean, a lot more. <laughs> It fully reminds me of M. Night Shyamalan's yeah, Village. Yeah, it's, it's the village, the anime. Except the twist is that it isn't a twist. Yeah. And, uh, well, especially because there, I mean, this isn't like a big thing. It's not like a reveal. It's very kind of casually thrown out that it is after 2015. So it's not like set in like kind of like a weird Victorian kind of age. Like it's pretty modern. Well, the, um, you guys were paying attention to it, but like, like they said the date on there is, it was uh, October 12th, 2045. Oh, I didn't see the yeah, 2045. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we have about 25 years left before, you know, Let's well, we'll get before, to what happens. We'll be dead before then. You know what? Not even because if they're like 11 and they've seen like 12 year olds leave, we have like 12 years. Mm, yeah. The trio summarizes their game of tag and another round is played where everyone is it except for Norman. He seemingly disappears into the forest with nobody able to find him until Emma accidentally stumbles upon the outer limits of the forest and notices him gazing at the low-level fence at the border. Yeah, he was like super distracted by it, like to the point that she just kind of walked up and tagged him and he was like, oh, 
Hey, that's me longingly staring out the window waiting for COVID to be over. (laughs) That's me in the corner. (laughs) That's me with the COVID. That's me. This is the second time I've sung that song on this podcast. Oh, God. There's a discussion of what the outside world must be like. And the kids all take turns dreaming about the fated day when they're adopted and finally leave Grace Field. Yeah, like slowly all the kids, as all the kids are showing up, they start being like, when I leave, I'm going to date a pretty girl. I'm going to wear nice clothes. I'm going to do all these things. And Connie, who we know from the calendar, I think is being adopted today, is like, I want to be a mommy when I grow up. So by the way, when the when they're all talking earlier, it was uh, with Norman, Ray, and Emma. And this is right after... Um, Norman like tricks Emma into like him thinking that or her thinking that he had like gotten hurt or whatever and he had like tricked her like she was like all upset about it and um, like there's this part where Ray's like do you know what Norman has that you don't have and I was like are we all kind of thinking right now that the answer is penis (laughs) that's what I was thinking (laughs) PJ literally it was like strategy and then like later he said strategy and he was like oh I was right. Oh, no one went with the penis route, huh? Comment no, below, you guys. Thing. Comment below, you guys. Did you guys think penis? I like that you always like comment below as if this is like a YouTube video. Hey, <laughs> I started it. I don't blame him. <laughs> Both right. of you. Thank you, PJ. Comment below, you guys. I'm pretty positive there's comments on our website. Oh, is there? I think. Okay. It's like a blog. Oh, One of the younger kids, Connie, is actually being adopted that very day. After a day of plain fun, Connie bids a tearful farewell to her Gracefield family and is led away from the house by Isabella. Uh, I forget the name of the guy that's... Don. Don. He, like, loves her. He's, like, that's, like, his little sister, you know? Yeah. And he's, like, so sad to see her go. Everyone's sad to see her go, but he's, like, taking it the hardest, clearly. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I found her really annoying. And um, I will say, I knew you would. I knew you knew I would. But like, anyone that's like <laughs> optimistic, you're like, I hate that person. <laughs> yeah, that's annoying. I I can be the only optimistic person sometimes. <laughs> but I was. Um, she had. She yeah. She had to get a quote unquote adopted. Quick question. <laughs> quick question for you guys. Did you did you suspect what was going to happen? Like at the moment of when she leaves the house with the mom like did you guys have a suspicion of what was going to happen oh i literally turned to skylar and was like something's about to go down yeah right wait is this a good adoption or a bad adoption and i was like a bad adoption during cleanup emma comes across connie's beloved stuffed animal little bunny that little bunny looks drunk and cute as hell (laughs) it does it was very cute I relate to that about the bunny. I, too, am drunk and cute as hell. (laughs) Knowing that she can't possibly make the transition into her new foster home without her dearest friend, she takes Norman and attempts to return the doll to Connie. The pair makes their way to a distant garage of sorts, where a truck lies waiting for the stone corridor. Emma assumes that if she leaves the bunny in the back of the truck, that Connie will eventually find it. But when she goes to place it, she discovers a horrific scene. This scene is shot so well. I know it's not actually shot, but it's animated with brilliant Mm -hmm. cinematography. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a trend throughout the show. The cinematography in the show is chef's kiss. And like the entire like motion of the camera is so jarring and kind of even going a little back right when they get into the this little tent, like this little garage area, the angle of the quote unquote camera is done in a way where they look so small compared to everything. Yeah. They, it's really, they like really cute awesome. Little, cute little mice. But when um they're like doing all the like stressful, suspenseful shots of like the, of them staring at the, the truck, I literally was just screaming, is she dead in there? Is she dead is she dead in there (laughs) oh yeah she did you knew she did oh something that i appreciate is like the animation art is so beautiful and when something's suspenseful and trying to convey scary like they're not afraid of making things look ugly and it really adds to the shots did you see when um when they reveal so obviously um emma sees her first and then norman like looks over and sees inside where she's laying in this looks like bag of 
I don't know, it looks like a bag of leaves and stuff like that. But she had like um little like rose like sticking out of her. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yes. No, we totally um it's like a big motif, obviously, because I mean not to jump ahead, but when you when you watch the outro, uh the very last shot of the outro is like leaves stabbed through like boots in like a mm. field. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a rose oh. stabbed through boots in a field. So I think it's probably like a motif of the show. Yeah. No, yeah, I was going to say, like, I thought it was a crossover. I was like, Tuxedo Mask killed this poor little girl. Damn it, Casey, that's what I was going to say. I was literally <laughs> going to say this killer of the series is Tuxedo Mask, and I'm mad I let you go first. I'm too uh, nice. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> too nice. That's why you'll get taken. You'll be adopted first. Connie's lifeless gray body greets her as Emma staggers back in shock. She calls Norman over to confirm, and he's also shaken by the sight of their lifeless former sibling. As they're attempting to make sense of it, they hear voices from another room and immediately go to hide under the truck. Horror begets horror as Emma gets a good look at these figures and discovers that they are honest-to-God monsters. Yeah, you can tell that she's like, who are these messed up adults i'm gonna fight them and then she like pokes her head out and her face goes from like angry to terrified because like they're straight up like demon looking guys they look like general grievous anyone else think that That's oh yeah well you know i actually they reminded me a lot of the guy from ancient magus bride oh yeah 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 that makes sense totally casey you'll watch it at some point (laughs) that'll be an episode don't worry you you could also like said watch star wars episode three (laughs) Revenge of the Sith. Emma wants to know where mom is and gets her heart-rending answer as the third monster calls on her name to ensure that the delivery of the high-quality goods goes off without incident. I knew that woman was shady the second she had purple eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Name one anime character with purple eyes that isn't a villain. Hmm. That's so true, actually. I think the past few animes we watched, there's been a character with purple eyes that's always been bad. Wait, Yuki has purple eyes. Evil ass rat. <laughs> Evil ass rat. Making the cat be cursed for all of eternity. I actually think his eyes might be gray. Um, I have to look it up. I think, no, his eyes turn purple when he enacts his rat powers. Uh, That's what you're thinking okay. of. Rat powers, activate. In a matter of moments, Emma and Norman's entire world has been shattered, revealing the terrible truth of their lives. By the way, um, one thing that the demons mention, I just want to bring up, is that like they talk about for they while they're like under the truck listening, is that they sell these kids to rich people, and like they're all being eaten by rich people. Yeah. And you got to eat the. I mean, twenty twenty, eat the rich before the rich eat you. Yeah, seriously. Eat the rich before the rich eat cute Japanese or American. I'm not quite positive. Kids. Right. Me neither. I'm That's sure. my campaign I was slogan. Say, we could probably try to figure out a way, a shorter way to say that. Add it to the. No, shirts. no, 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 no. That'll be our first merch. That'll be our first piece of merch. Yay! I love that. If even one of you wants this as a piece of merch, uh, message us on Twitter or Facebook, and I swear to God, I will make it's it for you. It's just me, like in the Twitter comments under like a pseudonym, being like, "I want some." I will straight up make it for you. I want to make it too. PJ, you're gonna see me in the comments below. <laughs> Honestly, PJ, I think you should make it because I would just love to wear that shirt out in the open. <laughs> so I was wondering, did you guys think that like? So now we know what, you know, it's it's re- it's in the future, but obviously not too far off in the future. And these kids are being eaten by the rich. Um, did you guys find that to be like kind of a theme about the show? Like I found it like I was thinking about it afterwards and I was like, maybe this is kind of like what they're trying to say is that like money has a higher value in society than like innocence or compassion, which I felt like that's kind of maybe the symbolism of the rich eating the kids. I could see that. Yeah, I could totally see that. Do you understand why they're standing on plates now in the poster? Oh, yeah, that makes so much more sense. I didn't think about that part. <laughs> um, I didn't think about that till now either. I noticed also, now you brought up the fact that they're on plates, but like, and I remember I was like, oh, they're like clock plates, but like, they're not clocks. That's tough. It goes up to the number 12, which is the age of the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, you do know that. Well, clocks I mean, do go. That's also clocks. <laughs> Number well, 12. I mean, yeah. But, but Casey's I mean, like, unlike regular clocks that go up to 13 and a half. <laughs> that's why I'm always 10 minutes late for every recording session. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you notice this, but the clock goes up to 12. <laughs> to denote that. 
<laughs> I honestly do think that you're right. Like, I think that is a piece of the symbolism. But the way you said it, I will never forget. That'll be burned into my brain for the rest of my life. You guys, I don't know if you noticed this, but the clocks, they go to 12. <laughs> Y'all, I, I didn't come here to teach people, but, like, I guess, you know, like, clocks go to 12. Okay. <laughs> you don't know how to tell the difference between clockwise and counterclockwise, but damn if you don't know how many numbers are on a clock. Bam. <sighs> So, they eventually escape the corridor, running back to the house as Emma collapses with a mournful scream. Oh, my God. That part. Oh, it's so good. That scream. Ugh. I've been watching a lot of this YouTuber called Sea Dog VA, mm-hmm. which highly recommend it if, if you want to watch some good voice acting stuff on YouTube. He's really funny. But he does a series where he reviews good and bad voice acting. And the second I heard the scream, I was like, oh, I feel every ounce of emotion and every ounce of energy. Like, this is good voice yes, acting. Yes, I was watching, um, mm. I was <laughs> I was watching a YouTube video of best uh, voice acting performances. And this one was like ranked number three. It made it much more real. Oh, yeah. It was so sad. That night, she and Norman are discussing what to do next when Norman suggests they should plan on escaping. Emma's reluctant, not wanting to leave the other kids there to die. Man, screw them other kids. You know what these orphans could use? What? Songs from Annie. <laughs> this I will come, come out, out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that you'll be eaten by a demon tomorrow. <laughs> it's a hard brain life for them. Our brains are so tasty to them. Bet they'll eat them. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Wow. Copyright that, PJ. We need to make some we need to we need to sell that. By the way, I do I mean I'm that's not gonna be my prediction for later that there's like an AMV for any videos, but there should be. <laughs> <laughs> Norman assures her it comes down to strategy, much like tag and chess. Emma seems to briefly be comforted by this thought. As the episode concludes with Isabel holding Connie's little bunny, seemingly recognizing that someone was sneaking around. And she's got like this like insane. Oh, look she on her looks face. so scary. Scary. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, sh- she was uh, she was terrifying. I was like, oh my God, I hope these kids kill her before she gets them killed. Ugh. All right, you guys, what did you think about episode one? Dang, what a twist. I mean, like, again, I knew something was coming, but like. I never expected this, like at all. Yeah, for real. Me too. I was like, like I, I was like reading my notes. I had written, written for the written, written. I written, I had, I had written for this episode, and I was, um, I was just like, okay, so they're in a cult. Okay, so they are now, uh, they are now gonna be uh, killed. Oh wait, now there's demons. It was like it kept being like more and more revealed. It's kind of what I was talking about earlier, like. It just kept getting more and more, like, it, it shocked me. Yeah, like you, I had different ideas at every point in time of, like, what's the big twist going to be? And I was like, it's a concentration camp cult. Like, they're going to, like, their big thing they're going to see when they leave is, like, the kid being, like, indoctrinated or, like, still being killed, but, like, for some other reason. But, like, the second I saw those demons, I was like, hard left turn, did not see this coming. What's going to happen now? It literally just went from like, oh, this is a cult to, oh, it's a farm. They're cattle. They're livestock. All right. Moving on to episode two. Learning the truth of their home has shaken Emma to the core. She has a vivid nightmare of Connie being served up on a fancy main course. Like, it's super scary because the visual, again, of like Connie's dead body is so like grotesquely drawn. And it's like, oh, my God. And then when you see, like, the demon ma, like, about to eat her, or she, like, wakes up in a cold sweat, it's like, oh, my God, this is so stressful. Emma could barely hide her look of terror upon hearing and seeing Mama for the first time since their discovery. But Norman tells her that they have to keep smiling like nothing's wrong. I was in the same boat. I was, like, literally screaming at the TV, like, you got to start smiling. You can't look so scared. And then when Norman came out and he was acting, I was like, look at Norman. He's got it together. (laughs) True. Play it cool, lady. Play it cool. Mama may know someone was at the gate to leave the bunny behind, but she doesn't know who. Or rather, if she does, Emma and Norman are too valuable to kill just for witnessing Connie's processing. During playtime, Emma and Norman agree escaping through the forest is the safest way. So, my question for you guys. 
So if you guys had a choice to go out through the gate or through the forest, which way would you guys have gone? I think the forest, because the gate is full of demons. Well, it's only full of demons when there's a pickup. Then again, that's the only time it's open. I guess the forest, too. What about you? Well, I, I think, I mean, on one hand, like, forest is, like, unknown, but the gate leads somewhere to something. And the forest, you might just be walking around in nonsense forever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's a take- tricky position they're put in. Yeah, I guess I'd go for it. Luckily, these kids are all smarter than us. Yeah, that's for sure. I would have been I would have been shipped out after like two months as a six year old. They've been like, bye. Yeah, no. Um, and they they talk about that in episode one. They realize that like, um, the six year olds who are like of lesser intellect are the ones that are shipped out. The kids that are more intelligent, they want them to grow to be twelve because then they have the best tasting, most developed brain they're like the wagyu beef of kid brains yeah exactly god i'm I'm probably not the right time to say that i would kill for some wagyu right now (laughs) let's go eat some delicious delicious emma love that love that for us but when they cross the short fence they soon encounter a massive seamless concrete wall further complicating matters So Norman tries to climb the tree, but he falls. So Emma goes in his place. She notes that the wall is very thick and they don't they can't get a good feel for it. So they decide to talk about it later. They're all gathered outside waiting to go inside when one of the little brothers runs out of the forest saying that his sister is lost. All Mama has to do is glance at her watch and she knows exactly where to find her. That mom's got that Beauty and the Beast compact mirror. That's what I thought it was. That was a little compact mirror. <laughs> I thought this was like a total power move. Like, she clearly did this to show, like, I know where you guys are at all times. Don't try no mess. Won't be no mess. I wouldn't even put it past her to not have, like, given that kid drugs to, like, sedate them so that this would happen. Mm, interesting. So now they know that security is rather lax because they have some kind of tracking device implanted somewhere in their bodies. Mama seems to make a big show out of it, wordlessly warning the likes of Norma and Emma. Back at the house, while having a private moment of grief for Connie, Mama suddenly appears before Emma. Shoot. Scary. Like, ugh. Ugh. Like, so the use of terrifying. Yeah, the use of music in this anime is so great to just like convey like what's supposed to be happening. Um cuz you have Emma and she's tearfully looking at the drawing uh, that Connie made and it's such beautiful kind of somber music and it just like cuts and it's just Mama with a super scary face up in Emma's face. Um did you guys get Annie Wilkes vibes from that cuz I sure as hell did. I didn't, but I can see I can that. I um, I mean, yeah, it's just very unsettling. Like, she's very clearly like, what do yeah, you know, Yeah, she's child? definitely trying to intimidate her. She intimidated me, that's yeah. for sure. Got my ass. <laughs> um, she questions Emma on why she's been less cheerful of late. All Norman could do is watch in horror around the corner as Emma puts on a cheerful front for Mama. Ray ends up bailing them all out when he rings the dinner bell. But as Emma and Norman depart, Mama asks them straight up if they were at the gate the previous night. They cheerfully say, of course not. That's against the rules. And continue on. But Mama is definitely suspicious. You could cut the tension in the atmosphere with a knife. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) Don't Don't be be suspicious. suspicious. (laughs) You know when... um she is like questioning her and her mood shifts i was like wow that was a really good job on emma's part but it was very stressful like up until then like she does a good job of playing it off and it's so insane because you see mama's face like completely transform and soften like immediately and it's like oh that's so unsettling that it's also fake um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys felt this way but i thought like throughout like this maybe this episode and uh, like maybe the previous episode, like I wasn't so sure to trust Ray. I thought he was a little, like a little too aloof, and I was like, I don't know, like maybe he a bad guy. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's that's interesting. Let's pocket that for a bit for future predictions. Oh, what I was gonna say is like Emma is like 
she's so seamless and she's able to switch to convince her. But also she like kind of digs into her just kind of as like a little f*** you by being like, I hope Connie's doing okay. You know, she wants to be a mom like you. And I was just like, oh. Too bad mama don't have no emotion. Mm-hmm. Once they're alone again, neither can hold in their sheer terror anymore. Emma even collapses to her knees, but Norman helps her up with a trembling hand. And Emma sees she's not alone and all hope isn't lost. They're going to get out of here. They just need a plan. I love them together. Like not romantically, but just like right. they're such a power they're such yes. a power duo. That plan involves stashing a bunch of table linen in a tree hollow near the wall that they'll use to make rope when the time comes to escape. Norman figures that they have two months left before the next child is taken, but someone followed them out to the wall. Fortunately for them, it's their friend Ray, who wants to know what's up. I'm suspicious as heck of Ray. Yeah. They tell him, to their amazement, he believes it all without even questioning it, because he knows Norman well enough to know that he'd never lie about something like this. What's not even he wouldn't lie about something like this is he wouldn't come up with this stupid yeah. of a lie is what he says. Emma being a different right. story. Ugh, shade. There is tension between uh, Emma and Ray for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like a mean tension. It's very teasing. He loves teasing Emma. While Ray is willing to lend his not inconsiderable intellect to the big escape plan, he has a big problem with Emma's insistence that all 37 children will be escaping. So on that note, um, who do you guys side with? Are you guys more team Ray? Are you more team Emma? Where, where do you guys stand? Are you more about Emma's way of like, we got to get everyone out of here or we're going to do the Ray way of like, okay, we can all three of us probably safely get out of here. I, you know what? I would I would be somewhere in the middle. I think I would plan for, 30, for everyone to get out, but accept in my heart that as the process goes, some are going to be lost. Like we're climbing the wall and two people fall. That's it. They're out of here. We're walking through the cities of new demokio <laughs> and someone gets caught by a demon that's it they're gone like you gotta i'd say save try to save everyone but accept that there will be casualties yeah. along and the way. it just at this point kind of kind of going the direction of pj i agree like i completely understand uh where emma's coming from she loves her family she does not want anyone else to die but like Ray is pointing out that it's it's just not very realistic. You know, but you know what? Like I think about it, and I'm like, I don't know if I could live with myself if I found out that I lived in like a cattle farm, basically ready to be like slaughtered and eaten, and I got out, but I didn't even warn the other people or right. try to help them get out too. Yeah, it's a tough. But like, if they sure. die along the way, at least you then tried. I did yeah. what I could. And whereas, like, Ray is more like, no, they're, like, dead weight. You don't understand. It's very trolley problem. Mm -hmm. He brings up the virtual impossibility of getting everyone away from Mama and off the farm without serious or even total casualties. And something to consider is beyond the wall, it's a demon's world, not for humans. Which I was like, ooh, yeah. what a revelation. Right? Because, I mm -hmm. honestly, I guess I'm stupid, too, because I didn't think about that. Like I was like, this is a secret demon society under underground mm -hmm. or whatever. But then when he was like, think about it, we're probably like one of the only sets of humans remaining. Like they literally farm us like cattle because we're like, yeah, rare. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my god, in twenty forty five, there's not going to be humans. It's going to be all demons. And like you don't see it this episode, but Ray kind of you're like, oh, he kind of knows because he literally when they were asking earlier, like, oh, what would you do if you were out of or when you're out of here? And he's like, try to survive. So like, I agree with you, PJ, like Ray is being pretty sus. Escaping is just the first step. The young, small and weak will have to be left behind to ensure any chance of the survival of the older, bigger and stronger. But Ray's way isn't going to work with Emma. She doesn't care if it's impossible. Everyone is being saved, and that's that. It may be foolhardy, but Norman is with her. When Ray asks why in his otherwise right mind he'd go along with Emma's mud boat, Norman explains simply that he likes Emma and wants her to keep smiling no matter what. Such a simp. Toad simp. And, oh God, and that if dried and hardened... 
it's possible for a mud boat to float. With that, they return to the house, and as they're about to sit for dinner, a new baby is introduced along with a new sister, Sister Crone. We're all waiting for this, right? We've all we all have this written down in our mm-hmm. notes, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Sister Crone, low-key racist ass drawing. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like that's some that's some mammy art yes, right there. Especially yeah. um like how unhinged that character is too. Oof. I don't want to say because like part of it isn't that racist. Like when you look at the depiction, but like when you literally just look at art of her, you're like, this is straight up yeah. mammy art. You know, it's funny. We've been talking about which one of the three of us would get canceled. But did you actually know the anime would actually get canceled? Promise Neverland <laughs> is over season party. two because it's too racist. Oh, God. It's got for you know, call them out. So one other thought I had be, with these three main characters uh, when it comes to. Um, Emma, Norman, and Ray. I was thinking that, um, like, they each kind of represent, like, kind of like this Freud style uh, personality traits. Like, you know how there's like the id, the ego, and the super ego. Like, I thought each of them kind of represented a different aspect of that. Like, Emma is the id, where she's just very carefree and like loving, and like uh, just very emotion, emotionally driven. And then Norman is kind of like the ego, negotiating between the id and the superego, which would be Emma and Ray. And then Ray would be the superego, the very much like logical, how is the best way for things to get like done, uh, you know? And so I don't know. I, I just thought that was interesting. That's a great like, observation, Casey. All right. And that's the end of episode two. What did you guys think? It just keeps getting more and more complex. Like, I feel like they gave so much information in this second episode about just like, how everything works and um i don't know we're we're moving really quickly how many episodes are in this um season only 12 Mm. and i i have to say i started watching um episode one yesterday and i i started watching i think like what 11 o'clock at night and i finished around seven o'clock this morning and it broke me um pj woke up because i was just in bed sobbing next to him that's hot that's not enough of a warning for what's to come apparently (laughs) um i loved it i thought it was really interesting it's really different i will say like i feel like the tension is only going to keep building from here because episode one had a lot of tension towards the end i think episode two is a little more like let's plan let's strategize like it's like the act two Mm -hmm. of the heist movie and now we're going to get into the like outmaneuvering part of the heist movie which is always like the stressful part now with that what are your predictions of where this will go? Uh, like what I was thinking about when we were kind of just talking about what we've kind of seen in the first two episodes, like I, it reminds me of like Handmaid's Tale where it's like, it's this like dystopian society and like, it's like, um, like it's just, they're just trying to escape this hell and try to find a place where, you know, they feel safe and stuff like that. And I feel like that's what the whole show's going to be about. And, I suspect there would just be a lot of tragedy along the way, a lot of like really disturbing children deaths, I assume. And um, yeah, that's what I think it's going to be about just them. It's their journey to escape that and, uh, and try not to get caught along the way. Honestly, I'd like your comparison with the handmaid's tale because they're getting babies and they're getting babies from somewhere. So it could be very similar to that kind of style. This is literally just the other side of The Handmaid's Tale. I've never seen it, so I don't actually have anything. I don't have anything to base that off of, but this is the other side of The Handmaid's Tale. This is The Foot Baby's Tale. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> um under his eye. Blessed blessed be the the blessed be the orphans. Blessed be uh under God's eye. Do not get these references. Now you guys, how did you feel about this intro? I adored this intro i thought it was so goddamn cool you know me i love a good jazzy anime intro if you put a saxophone in an anime intro it's gonna be a 10 out of 10 for me dog because saxophones are the coolest instrument in this world and i don't know just in general it was it was such a cool vibe i was like here for it the visuals were sick i i adored it um the the i thought the intro was fantastic it reminded me of like like early 2000s rock music. I don't know. Did you guys feel that way? I totally um, see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and I loved it. It, like, was, it was fantastic. I, I couldn't place what band I specifically felt it was like. I have a band for the outro, but not for the intro. Mm. Um, but I did get very strong early 2000s vibes. Like when I was trying to think of bands, I kept thinking of different early 2000s rock bands and being like, not quite, yeah. but kind of like that. So the intro is called Touch Off, and it was recorded by Uverworld. Ooh, Uverworld, I think, did one of the My Hero intros that we also reviewed. It's Uverworld. Uverworld. All right. Now that ending, <laughs> what'd you think about that closing outro, baby? Hated it. Ah, uh, you hated it? I hated it. <laughs> Let me tell you why. I love this outro. It's so good. Hate, 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 hate. hate. Hate, loathe entirely. Casey has a bad opinion. This is like straight up, this is giving me hardcore Paramore vibes and I'm so here for it. I wish Paramore had sung that ending song. It's basically Japanese Paramore, you guys. Oh my God. I wish it was Japanese Paramore. Um, No, for me, it was like, it was like a bad version of like a song I would hear on the Killer Instinct video game from the 90s. And I love Killer Instinct, so that means I something. really like the ending. I like that we went from like Tokyo Ghouls forgettable to Casey just hating this ending. I think this is at least better than yeah. Tokyo Ghouls outro for sure. Um, it's hard to remember what I felt. The song is called <laughs> Zitai Zetsume, and it's sung by Koshuni. Koshuni, don't listen to Casey. You're wonderful. Koshini, I love I love your other. I mean, work, we're all this. entitled to our wrong opinions. Wow. Skylar and PJ are mansplaining to me in their boomer way <laughs> about how this song should be. Uh hot take. Casey is trying to call out a person of color for literally anything as a cisgendered white male. By the way, um, you said hot take, and I just assume that's about how hot I am. Thank you so much, PJ. Casey is the most attractive man I've ever met in my life. See, that's all I needed to hear. I heard nothing else after that. That's white men for you. <laughs> so I've created a playlist of videos just to add some more context. So we're going to take a quick break and watch those and we'll be right back. Good eye, mate. Flavor is right around the corner when you go to Kid Brain Steakhouse. Try a delicious new Cerebellum Sliders. Served with fresh finger fries. A journey further south for a mushroom medulla oblongata. It'll have your heart racing. Or try any of our world famous kid brain steaks. Try a delicious center cut frontal lobe mignon for a taste you'll never forget. Or go for the always crowd pleasing occipital lobe sirloin. A taste you'll have to say to believe. And no trip to Kid Brains is complete without a bloomin' brainstem. Everything's better with Kid Brains. Everything's better at Kid Brains Steakhouse. Konnichiwa, my fellow weebs. Skylar here, your favorite shoujo specter. Thank you for tuning in while we continue our journey through some particularly petrifying pieces of anime. Grab your comfort blanket and grab a friend because we still have some spooky left to share. Speaking of sharing, why not head to our social media and share your thoughts on this episode? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kawaii Desu Pod or by searching for Kawaii Desappointment Podcast. Or go to our website, kawaii-desappointment.pinecast.co for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. Spooky stories are always a little more bearable with friends around, so tell your friends about us before it's too late. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue our terrifying trials of terror as we have Casey watch Corpse Party. Though there may be a special spooky secret selection awaiting your feed on Halloween Day. You'll have to tune in to find out. <laughs> we hope you'll join us. All right, everyone, we're back. Now, Casey, PJ, you saw some videos that gives you a little bit more context. How are you feeling? What do you think? I think we're in for some a crazy wild ride with this show. Like, I think it, it seems like it's going to be a lot harder to get out of uh, this little people farm than as expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 
everything just seems so insane from here on out. Like every clip I was like, oh my God, what is happening now? What's happening now? And obviously we don't even know the context of them or where they end up. So like, I'm like, oh my God. And um, I had given you guys fair warning that some of the things I was showing you seems very spoilery, but like, it's actually not like, that's just how like crazy the show gets. You know what? This show is, um, like I've had some very, like interesting thoughts I think from this specific anime more than I think I have from any of the other ones I feel like the themes here are so beautifully expressed but like uh, the crone and Isabella characters like when I was kind of like watching a little bit more about crone and then also what I know about Isabella they seem like they are they represent people that have like internalized systematic oppression and they use it to survive rather than actually change the problems of society like, and I, I think they are such interesting characters, kind of like, like I said, it kind of relates to reality. They're all those types of people that internalize things like that. Oh, my God. Casey, you've been like really thoughtful and insightful this episode. Like, yes, that's a great point that they don't really touch on in the clips that I showed you or the episodes we saw. But like you have it like dead on. Look at Casey. He's becoming a real weeb. <laughs> No, that was super insightful. I totally agree. It's, it's you know, and obviously we get a little bit of context into some of the other characters. And I feel there's a lot of that, like, I'm going to do what I need to do to survive at the cost of putting so many other people at risk, which is why I think it's even more noble, I guess, that your main character is like the exact opposite of that, where they're like, I'm going to put myself at risk so that I could save everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And yeah, it's not just Emma. Like it's it's the three of them. They just value life and everything so much. All right, you guys. Do you have a favorite character based off what you've seen so far? Um, I think for me, even though I think he's a little suspicious, um, I think I'm a little sus, a little sus. Um, I'm going to go with Ray. I think he's just like, calm cool collected and he's like asking these really smart questions which hopefully does not mean he's evil i don't know yet um but i just think like he's he's like really thinking about this in such a unique smart way uh where i think a lot of people will be very emotional and be like oh my gosh they have to get out of here or whatever but it's like when he brought up the fact that it's like well you don't even know what's beyond these walls you've lived in this like terrible human farm your whole life and like I don't know. I just really like his brain and the way he approaches the situations, even though I may not agree with his like, we're only saving the three of us mentality. um, I really think he is just really smart and cool. That makes sense. Yeah. PJ. So like on paper, my favorite character is probably Norman. But like based on the clips, I think Crone might be my favorite character (laughs) because I love I love unhinged psychopath characters like unhinged psychopath characters are my bread and butter like give me a hisika give me a crown give me like a light like that is what i'm here for her body language is very hisika yeah literally every time i saw her i was like "Ooh, this is giving me hard hisika vibes which casey when we watch hunter hunter i swear to god he's my favorite character in that show preemptively letting you guys know that but he's a lot of people he's everyone's favorite character and he shouldn't be because he is a murder clown pedophile but he's amazing someone that you guys haven't really seen is phil and phil is literally this four-year-old what about lil no unfortunately no (laughs) dead gone no lil Um, huh eaten so, no, but Phil is this little four-year-old, and he's, like, the best, and I f***ing love him, and, like, but, like, my favorite character is Norman. Like, I didn't think he would be, he was a little too, like, logical, but, like, just just some of the things that happened, he, he made me cry more than anyone. Like, just his interactions, et cetera, et cetera. I was uh, sobbing. All right, we got Norman, Ray, and... Sister Crone. <laughs> so interesting combos. Wait, before we before we go on, I haven't I have a little slight idea. Like I know we're I know this is such a like a like been been there done that thing, but like okay, so there's three of us. There's three main characters. Which one of us do you think is Emma, Norman, and Ray out of the three of us? If we had to each I'm Ray. I'm definitely Emma. I'm stupidly optimistic sometimes. 
And I'm Norman. Because you adore and love me? Absolutely, I do. My whole heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So that being said, would you guys consider watching, continuing watching it? 100%. Absolutely. I, I, I think this show has given me a lot of just really, like, introspective thoughts. Like, and, and one last thing I was thinking about, too, in regards to this show, like, I think the maybe another slight message that people are saying, I guess, coming out of the show, because, you know, a lot of these kids, like, the value is in, like, the age and also, like, the, um, like, how smart they are or whatever. But, like, maybe they're just kind of saying also, like, the only way to survive in society is, like, you have to show your value in living, you know? Even more so than that, I think it's you have to show your value in living, but no matter what, you're still just a part of the machine and they're still going to eat you up no matter what. Like maybe right. you'll last a little longer and you'll do a little better, but no matter how valuable you make yourself, you're still just a pawn. You're still just a piece of meat. Exactly. They, exactly, PJ. That's a, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, so yeah, it's, I'm super excited to watch more of this. I'm very excited because it's brought out this very introspective like aspect to you, Casey. And I was telling <laughs> This is our new philosophy <laughs> podcast. And I was telling mm-hmm. PJ though, like, oh, Casey's not gonna like this because when we were watching when we were doing the Fruits Basket episode, like the darkness in it, you were very like, I just I'm not in the right mindset to like go forward and continue watching this. So it's just like, oh, this is really dark. It gets really suspenseful. Like, Casey's going to have the same answer. So the fact that, like, yeah, you do want to go watch it is exciting for me because if you go watch it, we just have more things to talk about. But I'm just... Exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'm excited and, and a little shocked. Um, Mark that as a will watch it in the Casey playbook. I did want to ask you, Casey, and I forgot to ask you earlier. What did you think about, like, some of those cinematic shots? There's a lot of, like, the perspective of going up the stairs. You know, it's so funny, Essek, because that was one thing I forgot to mention on the episode. Uh, was episode one? Yeah, episode one. Um, I was thinking about this shot where, um, uh, what's the mom's name? Isabella. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, she confront you know, out of nowhere comes up to um, Emma in the hallway. And like, there's that really tense scene um, between Emma and Isabella and also Norman. And where it's like all three of their faces and like... For me, I don't think I've, I mean, we watched what five animes now and I've seen maybe Sailor Moon and Pokemon in addition, but like, um, I just think like I, that shot felt like, uh, I felt like I was watching something real, like a movie or something like live action or something. It was just so amazing that they brought this to life. And I I just, that scene like stuck out to me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I've never had an anime or I mean, any sort of animated or related thing creates so much tension for me in that moment, and I just thought that was really special. So this makes me so excited to show you some other some of the other more serious anime out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and then you have that one scene where when Emma wakes up and the clock is ticking back and forth. And they make you the pendulum, so you're literally just like moving back and forth while she's laying in bed. Remind me, did did that clock have twelve numbers on it? Um, I believe so. Why wouldn't it? I think it's it was thirteen. It's kidding. <laughs> All right, you guys. We have your thoughts. We have your opinions. We know that you're interested in watching it. So let's move on to my favorite part. Is there an AMV for that? AMV, 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 AMV. Google gobble, Google gobble. All right, <laughs> Casey, go first. I'm so glad you asked. I love this segment. Um, so I thought long and hard about this, and I am going to go with Linkin Park. I think Ooh. of an early 2000s rock band. I think of like just the severity, the seriousness of this uh, anime. I thought Linkin Park can only capture the raw emotion okay. I feel watching this anime. I was tempted to go with Numb, but I'm thinking the end. It's in the end. I'm feeling good about my choice, you guys. I think you should be. This sounds this sounds like a good choice. All right. Yes. There are definitely AMVs for The Promised Neverland to Linkin Park's in the end. There is yeah. more than 12. 
Holy smokes. I I know this might not have any. If they have even one, I will be happy. I'm not going to be Casey. Okay. But in honor of it being Halloween season, I'm going to go with Come Little Children from Hocus Ooh, Pocus. That's really good. Interesting. That's a good choice, PJ. And it's just because I've been hearing that song a lot lately. And I just got strong Come Little Children vibes from oh, some yeah, of Oh, yeah, especially anime. with Isabel's um, lullaby that shings mm-hmm. a lot. Wow, PJ, you win. There's actually more <gasps> AMVs for Come Little Children than there is for the Lincoln Park. I'm shocked there's even one. Amazing. Thank you. Good job, I PJ. Didn't, I, I didn't expect to win this award. <laughs> the, the fans are going crazy. I can hear them from here. It's it's an honor. I know. I just you love me. You really love me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's time for the super secret, not so secret, <laughs> bonus AMV question. Is there an AMV for Evanescence? Bring me to life for the Promised Neverland. The answer there is, but you know, I usually get twelve plus. There was only eight. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Well, with all of that, we could officially call this another four pointers in the book. With PJ as our head to head winner. Thanks for playing. Well, everyone, we had a lot of laughs, had some cries, had some deep philosophical Lots conversation. But unfortunately, that is where we have to leave you this week with our conversation of Promise Neverland. We hope you had a good time, and we hope you'll join us again next Monday when we are once again journeying through the world of a new anime. But until then, we hope your week isn't a kawaii disappointment. I've been PJ. I've been Skylar. I've been Peter Japan. I mean, Casey. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.